Hello everyone and welcome to the series one finale of Health Points. Over the 20 episodes in the first series, we've explored the breadth and depth of gamification in health, interviewing founders, CEOs, game designers, clinicians, researchers, and everyone in between. We've learned a huge amount and we hope you found the episodes valuable too. The series one final episode is a panel discussion held at the Gamification Europe conference in April 2022 on the ethics of health gamification. Peter and myself will be back in the autumn for Series 2 to talk about everything gamification and health. But for now, enjoy the panel discussion and debate in this episode. Now, what I'm going to do next is introduce Ben, the chair of our panel session, and then leave it up to him to introduce the members of the panel. So. Ben is CEO of Good Boost, a social enterprise developing AI technology for older adult joint health and well-being that applies gamification principles for engagement and motivation. He's the MSK clinical champion for Versus Arthritis, UK's leading charity in arthritis and MSK research. A Winston Churchill fellow, which is a research project in gamification for older adult MSK, MSK exercise and a fellow of the Royal Society of Art and lead the MSK Expert Group World Health Innovations Summit. And he um, obviously has qualifications in musc musculoskeletal science from Oxford and osteopathy. And well, he's a busy man, but we're really lucky to have him here with us today. Let me bring him onto the screen. Hi, and welcome, Ben. Hey, B. I'm going to bring on your other guests and I will depart. Enjoy the panel session. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for saying I'm, I'm going to introduce everyone when I have not prepared for that whatsoever. <laughs> so I'm going to ask everyone else to do a slight quick introduction. Right. That's good. I think actually maybe I said to them, or at least some of them, prepare to introduce yourself. So okay. maybe well, that you would have already okay. prepared to introduce yourself. To his credit, he did. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, thank you for all joining us. I can sure Victoria has popped off for a quick break, seeing as she's been speaking for the last hour or so. Um, thank you for joining. This is going to be a session to debate the ethics of health gamification, to look at some of the areas of do we create, should we create addictive health games or is that a bad thing? Um, and are there certain frameworks we should be following to make sure there are good ethics within health gamification? Uh, I'm going to go around. Oliver, do you want to come and introduce yourself first? Yeah, um, thank you. Um, Oliver Korn from Offenburg University in Germany. So I've been a gamer for the longest part of my life. I think I got my ZX81 when I was 10 or 11 years old. And now I'm a professor for human computer interaction and I teach game design and game development. And I just started a, a course on gamification and serious games. I also once I had a startup uh, of, of Fraunhofer's where we developed probably one of the first serious games ever. It was called Learn to Work and it was a company simulation much too early in the year 2007 where even the term gamification wasn't around. So I've always been sort of in the game. Right now we are, uh, we have founded a new uh, institution in Germany to also evaluate serious games, to give them like a certificate. What what is a good serious game actually uh, um, constitute? And so serious games, gamification, but it's always been sort of part of my research and also part of my private interests. And so I'm very lucky to be here. What, problem maybe that I'm rather pro gaming and pro gamification. So when it comes to um, complaining about uh, the ethical uh, side, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not, the, not the best person to advocate sort of the devilish aspects of gamification, but maybe uh, Maybe the answer we'll is, find someone who can do that. Maybe the answer just is we we need to make them more addictive anyway, Oliver. But, but, <laughs> but that's, that's the thing, yeah. Uh, thank you very much. Milos, do you want to come in and give yourself an intro, please? Yeah, sure. Like so many incredible people on the panel. Love it. Um, so um, my name is Milis. I'm uh, currently located in Istanbul, Turkey. I'm the founder of Wellbees. And Wellbees is an 
employee wellbeing platform. We're currently serving um, 17 different countries in nine different languages. And we're proud, like we're proud to be measuring our impacts uh, day to day. And we've, we're proud to say that we trigger personal and cultural behavior change in the companies that we work with. That's, that's like why we exist. That's why we work every day. Um, advertisements aside, oh, here's what my little one. <laughs> Sorry about that. Let, let her do? introduce herself too. Sorry about it. Um, maybe Ben, it's at this point, it's better to jump to Victoria. And yeah, I'm just going to do that. So, Victoria, <laughs> Victoria, you would have already introduced yourself briefly in the previous session. Do you want to give a quick uh, recap? Yes, so I'm uh, bringing uh, self-help and, uh, and uh, gamification together and it's an approach to turn life into fun games and uh, just three approaches uh, into one, uh, like awareness, small bits and gameful playfulness and so on. And I'm interested about this uh, um, researching our own brains and supporting ourselves into you know, in, in, in living life to the full and, and being aware of what power actually, how games can empower us. So, yes. Fantastic. Right, in that case, I'm going to jump in and start with the first area of the topic is the addictiveness of health games. So I want to pose a little idea is that should we worry about creating addictive health games when there is such a huge challenge and need with fast food, sugar, smoking, uh, alcohol, pumping billions of dollars into advertising and consumer habit formation. Do we just need to make the most addictive health games possible? Um, I know we're all kind of health gamifiers in here in some way, shape or form. Uh, I hope we're not too biased about it. Um, Oliver, I'm going to start with you. What do you think about that statement? Well, uh, I think I've been using a Fitbit ever since uh, we came into the market. And uh, when Victoria, when you were talking about uh, gamifying your sleep and everything, I mean, I, I'm, first thing I do in the morning is check how was my REM phase and uh, how, how did I sleep? And only if I know for certain, if I look at my watch, I, I know when I really slept well. So, of course, um, Gamifying everything and, and I mean gamification and, and, and the gamification of sport health games also is part of quantification and the problem with quantification is of course that uh, you sort of you tend to think that it doesn't exist if you don't see it in numbers yeah but this has always been the case I, I, I know these people when I when I started going to the gym there were always these people running around with little books and 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 noting everything and I mean now it's an app so in general I would say that that documenting your accomplishments and sort of um, getting points and and motivating you is in in general is it's a good thing uh, and um, if we if we can make this more addictive and more more fun that's also a good development uh, but I, I know for example a friend of mine who is currently experiencing psychological issues trouble someone died in the family and uh, now he's he, he stopped wearing his uh, Fitbit watch because he says I don't want to sort of see how bad I sleep and the nightmares and everything. And, and now I sort of, I see it all. Um, so I guess like with every technology, there's the problem with um, in, in certain times, uh, in certain periods, it's, it's not good to use them. And uh, not everybody has this um, sovereignty to say, okay, now is a good time to document and, and, and gamify my life. And now I just need to stop because maybe if you're fitness wise, if you're on a downward slope and you're not getting the gems and you're not getting the points and it's like you're already feeling bad and, and now <laughs> you're also not getting uh, what you what you usually get, this could sort of um, be like a, a downward spiral, which you, you want to avoid. So if you were, were a game designer, you could think about uh, like detection mechanisms to sort of ask things like, are you sure that you still want to continue? Um, 
So I guess some of the, the challenges there is that generally with the quantification health and well-being, we measure the good as much mm -hmm. as we also measure the bad. Um, what I'd like to know now is, Amelia, in terms of you work with a lot of companies, you work with employees, right. it's so important for employees to be healthy and present and in work. Is there is there is there there must be an emphasis from the companies you work with to to make sure people are as as healthy as they can be. So you want people to be addicted to that behaviour on culture change. Um, could it be pushed too far? And how do you know that what you're encouraging people to do is the right kind of healthy for them? Uh, I'll be very honest here because, like, I think uh, it's that kind of a panel here, and um, unfortunately, we're going to agree with Oliver uh, everything about, and that's the worst possible scenario for a panel, right? You don't want people to agree; you actually want to have a discussion <laughs> there. But, but unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Like, I really think that it's um, paramount to have people addicted to these health games, if like. Um, if the other alternative are the you know the bad the worst um, you know habits out there, so yes, like I'm all for like addictive games, but again, as Oliver said, and as you also mentioned, you have to go back and look at the impact that this like stickiness is having, and we're calling the stickiness. It's um, at the company that I founded, and um, ours is a very sticky product because of the gamification aspect in it. You know, like people can win points through challenges through the competitions they win through badges you know like ten thousand steps then you have the like walker badge and like twenty thousand steps you have the next um next badge etc and like since it's a very close community as you said ben like this is this is happening within a company so people are affiliated to each other they're not just like you know um it's not like fitbit where like you're competing against people you don't really know this is like a close community people know each other they want to like show off to each other so like when that's happening it's very addictive you know like it's very very sticky our product and hr of course like coming back to your question hr loves that but i think there is a responsibility in our hands you know like as with all technologies and all um um all theories out there right like i'm sure everybody watched the netflix um social dilemma uh where like bj fogg is like being like you know uh killed basically throughout the entire like hour and a half um and like coming back to that idea i think the responsibility falls into our hands when we're using these technologies these like gamification aspects within, within our products we need to go back and see what kind of an impact this has and here's what we've done um in like every day we're asking people how they've slept and how they're feeling. And we're checking how the stickiness and how the stickiness in certain parts of the app is affecting their mood and sleep. Then we can go back and say, yes, Ben, like actually like your, your people are really, you know, glued to this product. They love it, but they don't just love it. Um, they're actually like making themselves better through it. So once, um, as a you know producer of a product if you have like those two focuses on mind i think you can and i think this is the way we should be um looking at our products with both sides and we're doing the same thing we're measuring um sentiment not only through people's like um you know button clicks but we're also uh looking at sentiment analysis through ai um to check if like uh, the interventions we're doing in the app is actually like um, bring their moods up or down. So there's two yeses in that case. Victoria, I mean, are the current uh, spend for the global domestic product on health to around eleven to set ten to uh, ten to eleven percent of GDP every single year? Mm. Can we afford not to make it hyper addictive? Well, um, I, I probably will add some 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 uh, some point. Uh, against it so some some discussion as as Melissa wanted <laughs> yes but first i will confirm what you both said oliver and Melissa. and actually it's something what was uh, on the last show of oprah winfrey of her show uh, daily show she said that every person wanted every person who came be it famous or not famous and regular person they wanted to be qualified Every one of them. She said there was no, not a single person who didn't ask her, was I good enough? Was it good enough what I said? And this is, again, it's our natural uh, wish to be validated. And, uh, and, and those apps, uh, those games and 
that is why I give myself points. Even the gratitude journal, somebody uh, liked this idea. I actually started writing how many days since I started doing it. So today was 122. This counter is something that helps us. So we want to be qualified. But what I see about addiction, I think that uh, when we get addicted to something and cannot leave it or think we cannot leave it, I think one of the reasons is that we give the responsibility of our success to that product, not to ourselves, but actually we are responsible for our well-being. And I think one of the another reasons, I think why some uh, products lose uh, customers, and I uh, recently talked to, uh, to, to somebody who is doing uh, also something like that. The, the, um, it's not a fit, uh, fit, but it's another tool on counting steps and so on, but also um, and, and the apps. Uh, they started losing, uh, losing um, uh, users. And I think this is just a natural thing of voluntary participation, what also uh, Jane McGonigal said. Even uh, there have been an experiment, somebody tried to play a game 24-7, but at some point he left. That's it. So you come and go, you don't play one game 24-7. So I think that people will, even if they like a game, they might leave it like your friend Oliver. Uh, He just didn't feel like playing this Fitbit game now, and it's okay. He had another, uh, another game a well-being game and maybe in that situation that he had in the context of his emotions. And um, I've been asked uh, during the courses that I do on turning life into fun games quite often say, I am afraid to be ambitious when I do something like that. When I turn my life into fun games that I start like hunting the points and so on. Then I said, then you actually forget to play another game, relaxing game. You know, don't treat yourself, you know, don't try to reward yourself with a break or buying something or uh, like a coffee break. But this is another game. Reward yourself for playing those games. So this is what I'm trying to to say. And don't, uh, another thing is, is I don't take the points that I do seriously. So if I forget, that's okay. Sometimes, yes, it's also a point. You know, <laughs> so this is this is what this is why I'm so eager to say, be aware what you're doing. You already play games. So whatever you use, feedback, feedback, another, whatever it is, it is a game gadget and it's your decision how you play it. So you play in one game and then another. So so this is a little bit maybe goes away from from the topic you asked. But no, I think, I think it's, it's important. I think it's completely right. So, so building on that, I mean, and one of the big challenges and a lot of the, a lot of conversations I have in the UK of the health system is that we have a society that is dependent on healthcare professionals. And actually around one in five to two in five primary care appointments, whether it's a GP or a physio, don't necessarily need a medical intervention. But because they're dependent on the system, they go to the system to to find a way to to alleviate their their illness. By creating addictive games, for addictive health games, are we removing people's locus of internal control to manage their own health? Um, I mean, back to the employees you work with, do you think there's a situation where if suddenly they left the organisation that's connected to you, that they, they work for someone else, but they do not have this support, that they'd actually maybe become, uh, would reduce their health because they've been dependent on these patterns because of the service that you provide. And as a result, could that be a bad scenario? Yeah, okay. I know where, like, where you're headed with this. So I'll, um, I'll come back to it with this. So I, um, I do a lot of organizational behavior change. Like that's that's like what we're focused on. And um, oftentimes we see um, when you're looking at a at at an individual on the individual um, basis, Ben. Like, and you want to change someone, that person's not changing. Um, but then if you combine it with you know um, the 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 mexo, the meso, like all of the circles around that individual, like with the organization itself. Um, like with the line managers, with uh, you know board members, with like 
colleagues like if they want to like if you intervene at those levels as well and not just the individual level the change happens much faster and um in a more sustainable way so um if you take out this one person who's Who's, who has been nurtured in um, a well-being prone culture with all these well-being support systems. If you take that person out and put that person into a new ecosystem, will that person change? I think so. Like, I think, to be honest with you, like, how do behavior change? Like, the, there are three reasons how, like, there, there are three ways how uh, behaviors change, right? Like, there's the aha moment, like COVID, right? Like, COVID happened. And we all started cooking. Why? Because like all of the, like, I'm talking about all the way in the beginning, you know, it's, it's just like happened like that because of the environment change, right? Like it's, um, we had like a eye opening or like, why is everybody leaving their work right now? Because we all had that aha moment, right? It's the second reason, this, um, the second way of change is through environmental change. Like if you put someone in a new environment, like if you put me in a village today, I'm probably not going to be on this call, <laughs> but like I, and I would probably be eating organic, even if I wanted to, or if I didn't want to, you know, habits built with, you know, the ecosystem that you're put in. And the third one is of course, like behaviors. And like, we as like, um, we operating within the gamification system, I think are using the third one most, but like in your question, if you put this person somewhere else, yes, I think they're, um, health behaviors are going to change because they're not just going to be as supported as they were in the first scenario that they were put in. I, I, also, I mean, similar question to you, Oliver. I mean, do you think there is a risk that we are removing people's innate motivation for self-care by creating health gamification? Yeah, that's that's an almost philosophical question, and I mean it's 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 more or less the same question you asked Melis. So, do we by by providing gamification, do we remove our intrinsic motivation? And I mean, this is one of the oldest the oldest things everybody is is addicting uh, is, is 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 accusing uh, gamification of uh, by offering these quantifications, these points, these badges, all the things we work with, you're removing internal motivation. Uh, I, I want to give you an example from my own background. When I, when I do teaching, I use uh, gamification for my students and I'll make little quizzes and they can get points and badges and everything. And I really see that they enjoy the lectures more and that especially the students on i would say the lower third of the performance spectrum they really get get kicked by this because with a top 10 percent you never have problems they, they will do their thing because they have this intrinsic motivations so they've been overachievers always and they will they will be this way so the question is how do we get the normal people into the system and i've seen that for them gamification is a, is a cool is a cool gadget so it's not this philosophical question like wouldn't it be nicer if they would be intrinsically motivated yes it would be in a in a perfect world everybody would be intrinsically motivated to do sports to keep a healthy diet to do all these things but we're not living <laughs> as we we definitely learned in the last few weeks we're not living in an ideal world not everybody is living up to his or her personal potentials and gamification is just a way uh, to help them uh, to to make things better so um i i'm uh completely pro gamification in in that way to say okay especially people who are struggling for them gamification can be like a something something to lean on uh, it, it helps me oh shit just eight thousand steps and i want to have ten thousand and i see it on my watch and it reminds me and when i'm i maybe do this special do another walk or something and, and if i don't get this motivation if i don't get this nudge i'm just not doing it i'm just sitting on the couch like like i like doing you know? so i think and it's 
is that the point then? Biologically, we are programmed to be to be to conserve energy, to be sedentary. We are programmed to seek out high energy food wherever it's possible yep. to find. Unfortunately, we now live in an environment in the modern age that doesn't that doesn't match that because that we are sat down so often, and it's so easy to use your app or go to a corner shop to get fast food or chocolate, and so because we are biologically programmed to, to be that way, we are fighting it all the time. Are we just giving people a helping hand to find that, to find that motivation? That's how, how I would, how I would see it. Yeah. We're, we're helping people to make the best out of their uh, potentials. Yeah. In an environment, which is trying to make everything so easy. Yeah. And in that um, case, is, is this a redundant question around the ethics of health gamification? Should we even be debating it? Is it thus we need, we need to maximize it? We need to make it as addictive as possible, rather than having these conversations, which I have with many other academics and designers and owners and entrepreneurs of health gamification companies. And the idea of ethics comes up at some point. Yes. And are we just talking about it because we think we need to be good human beings and considering the ethics of it because we do in all aspects of our life? But actually, should we just throw caution to the wind and just go as hard as we can to create solutions that embed better behaviours in people? Can I say something? Go for it, Victoria. Actually, I think uh, the addictive and, and many, uh, perhaps many methods actually try to make people addicted to that or try to convince them this is the best this is uh, do that and you will solve your problems but i think making addictiveness a goal is um, <laughs> and i'm using my own uh, thing that i said that not so good to use uh, to agents saying it's not a good one <laughs> so i'm labeling i'm sorry so i'm thinking to uh, put a goal to addiction is not the right way to go what is the right way to go is to empower people and provide tools and they then uh, and to empower them to make their choices to to make the tool to, to choose the tools that they want and also to put away the tools if they need so uh, and really thank you oliver for the example of your friend that when sometimes you need to put those things away sometimes you i forget that i turn my life into games while i'm still doing i don't think you know when i go to bed i just uh, check my you know time and that's it and uh, and that's that, that I fall asleep and that's it. So I don't think about. And this is what happens to children when they play. When I when I recollected how I was when I was a small child, I uh, maybe sometime someone told, asked me what are you doing. I said I'm playing, but I never thought of it as playing. I never defined it. I was just doing what I was doing. I was in the flow. And this is what what is interesting, important to to empower people to be present where they are. To, to feel in their fullness, whatever they're doing, either they're taking a nap or go and exercise. And I'm inspired here in Denmark very much. They have this uh, term, and, and it became actually English term already. It's called hygge. And hygge, you maybe heard about it. It's a one-to-one -one translation, something like coziness, but it's not exactly that. Uh, you can see two, two people going to to uh, jog to exercise together and then at the end of the jog they say it it was hugely it was beautiful it was cozy but you never would think maybe in other languages as you know exercising or sweating as cozy <laughs> but this is what they do this is this feeling my, my mom uh, we, we are not danish so uh, i'm a german citizen from with moldovan origin and my mom lives also in denmark and she once asked me, what is Hugo? And I was thinking of an example. And I said, do you remember the way the, the times when you visited and we had a, an exciting time? And you said, wow, that was nice. And I said, this is Hugo. And this is what we want to achieve, you know, that people have fun, that they are empowered to come back to that activity. And I noticed with myself, I did the push-ups for, I don't know, for 100 days. And then I was thinking, oh, I, I can do that already. And this is what also Ralph Costa says in his theory of fun for game design. He says, the destiny of game is not to be fun, but to become boring. This is what we need to achieve. We need to make, the, you know, 
to make the games that they are boring, but also another game maybe or another level or another dimension to that game that become they become excited. Because if they learned everything that they want to or need to do, th then the game becomes boring. So this is the goal. And the fun is the process. Also, he says it. So this is, I think, our goal should be when we create something to empower people, you know, to, that they can have the energy to, you know, for the choice and that they feel empowered. That almost reminds me of the self-determination theory, you know, Victoria, we've been like uh, discussing this with my team for so long, like instead of telling people what to do, like just here is a program, you know, just go and do that and win points. Like you need to give people space and the freedom to choose the autonomy to choose that and give relatedness in the app as well. So it, I think it all comes back to that as well. And coming back to what Oliver said very quickly, um, I also agree with you um, that like, and I always talk to my corporate clients about this, like it's almost like a change funnel, right? Like at the end of the bottom, you're going to have those people who are really excited about change, right? Like they're just like, okay, let's start doing this. But then like at the, at the top, there are those people who are not even like aware of the problem that, that exists. Like they don't even know they have the problem. So I think gamification is the super cool tool for us to draw people into this like awareness game so to say and like and hopefully get as victoria said and i'm ben i'm sorry again but there's again uncommon understanding <laughs> but like get people to that level where they can say yes like i am motivated like i understood my problem now i'm aware of it now i'm ready to take action now i'm playing the game i'm in it and then like Hopefully by then it becomes like such a routine that you don't have to track it with a phone or something, you know? What, what I'm wondering then is one of the points that Victoria raised about the idea that it should become boring. And if you think about, is there a framework here? If you think of a charity organization, ultimately the charity's core purpose is to no longer need to exist. If they can deliver upon their problem and solve it, they don't exist. That's their core purpose to no longer be existing. Should an ethical rule of health gamification is to become obsolete, should that be rule one of any health gamification product to become so boring that either they move on to new solution or that they solve the problem to become obsolete as a solution at all? Um, anyone from the panel, any thoughts on that? Uh, maybe I can yeah, uh, add something because I've been I've been doing a lot of work on EXA games and I published some papers on rehabilitation. And the problem is that if you have to do rehabilitation, for, for example, if you, if you ever did it, if you have a problem with your elbow, you need to do exactly that movement like for 20 minutes. And it has to be exactly that movement and not faster and not slower and it's extremely boring and tedious and actually it's like that in many exercises rehabilitation is even worse because not normally in the gym it's about so if you can do your push-ups quicker it's it's good or if you can do more but with rehabilitation it's exactly that it has to be exactly that not slower not faster not more repetitions and i think something like this is always it will be inherently so boring that um, every kind of gamification makes it easier because we know from research that people never regain their full functionality in rehabilitation and it's not because they can't it's because they don't want to do the exercises because they are so boring so in this case gamification really helps to sort of um, get people to do something and i think also I think maybe charity is not the right uh, comparison because I mean something like Ebola you can you can win but with your own body is with, with health it's a permanent struggle and we're all gonna lose at some point so even if I'm if I say I'm I'm quite fit for a 45 48 year old uh, with the same fitness if I would, would like to be as fit as I am today in 10 years, I would have to struggle quite a lot because testosterone levels are going down, uh, muscles, muscles going down. So it's, it's a downward slope. And um, I think that uh, um, game, making gamification obsolete in health is, is, would, be, would be very difficult. Uh, it's more like it, it needs to get better 
because we have to, to struggle more. Because if you're 25, I don't think that you need that kind of gamification. For example, if you're a gym, if you're at the gym, because you see the permanent improvement, everything is getting better all the time. And um, if you're older or if you, if you had a stroke or if you have to do rehabilitation, it's, it's, it needs much more um, energy from the outside. And I think this is what, what gamification can, can provide. I, I agree completely. And uh, uh, gamification or whatever approach it is, it's not a one-time pill. It's, it's usually uh, should be applied as a lifestyle and uh, it will never become obsolete. And, uh, and I would not only look at the gamification, but also games. Uh, and uh, there have been studies showing that, for example, patients with Alzheimer's, they feel much better if they play, play games or if they do some kind of research um, studies or projects and, and suddenly they remember something from the past that ignites uh, them, uh, even if they forget shortly after. Um, but uh, I think it, the most, the, the, there is a quote by um, Andrzej um, Machewski who uh, writes a lot about gamification and recently in his blog post, he said, he said that he always when he teaches gamification he says that gamification is about learning from games and i think that's brilliant and this is uh, this is what we need to do and that is why gamification will never die and why it existed since you know uh, ancient times we just didn't call it that way <laughs> but uh, we all this gamefulness and playfulness was present you know uh, in every moment uh, and we do it intuitively if, for example, a child is grieving, lost someone, and I know it from my experience uh, when I was a child, like many relatives, like from cancer or whatever. So actually you see an adult saying, yeah, play a game, do something. So, you know, that's, that's or maybe do something playful, even those like gamifying eating for the babies or whatever. You know, those things existed all the time. We just try to name them and try to, use them consciously. So this is what gamification is. And I think we need to both uh, to continue creating the tools. Even if I do, if I use paper, I really urge <laughs> creating apps and those systems that have been shown today, uh, really they are uh, like uh, about rehabilitation today, uh, Lucia has been shown. And it's really, really important because these are tools that we need, like Oliver said, to make, uh, uh, to make them fun and uh, today was one more thing quickly uh, it was uh, quoted the super beta was quoted today and this is what uh, Jane McGonigal said when he she turned um, her concussion into fun games she didn't change her condition it was exactly the same it was the hardest year of her of her life but what happened she stopped suffering and this is the thing when you turn something into games or when you offer the tools for someone to turn into games, like Oliver said, this movement, uh, then uh, if they do it for 20 minutes without any game, they will be suffering. But if they do it like shooting at something, for example, a tumor or whatever, they will suddenly see a purpose in it and will, they will stop suffering. It will still be hurting and will have muscle ache or whatever, but they will be, they will come excited after that. So that was fun. So this is the purpose. And I think it will never, never die and be obsolete. And um, I'll dive in right there because Ben mentioned um, social entrepreneurship. Like I, um, I, I'm, a, I'm also the founder of a social entrepreneur, um, social um, enterprise called Women on the Field. We basically get uh, over 500 girls across Turkey to play soccer every day. Uh, why is that critical? Because um, every day when you turn on the TV in Turkey, you see men playing soccer. You don't see girls or like women playing soccer. And we say that every day, Ben, like we say like one day when you open the door and when you say as many girls playing soccer as the boys do, then you know we've established and accomplished our goal. Then we don't need all of those gamification that that was put into girls on the fields or like social enterprise. Like we made it so fun for girls to be on the fields to play that game that like they're 
coming in in flocks it even became like a super trendy thing to do in turkey for girls it wasn't like that 10 years ago and my little one that you guys just saw my five and a half year old she's like mom do boys play soccer as well or is it just <laughs> you know it's like so you know you're getting somewhere with that and like i think that to answer your question and I think we disagree there, Oliver and Victoria. I'm excited about that. <laughs> so, like, I think, like, yes, like, people should be so healthy that we don't need, we shouldn't need that gamification to lure them into this process, you know? It's like, and coming back to the super better uh, example, like, do you, do you think, Victoria, that, like, Jane continues to play that game after her, like, critical condition um went away I'm, I'm sure like she spends more of her time in like other games probably not that one you know like or like back to oliver's point you know like when you're in that critical condition where you can't move the elbow okay when you start doing it it's to some working level then you're just like ah whatever rest is boring <laughs> so maybe like i think yes like the the point should be to make gamification so obsolete so that it can, it can become an innate thing coming back to Oliver's point. I, I agree that uh, uh, Jane, <laughs> Jane McGonigal probably doesn't uh, doesn't play anymore. And I never played Super Beta, I must admit. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but what I think is that uh, we need to have different games, not what, just one solution. So, but different uh, and educate. And yesterday somebody said about um, literacy uh, at the panel yesterday. I asked about the bringing the design into schools. And I think game literacy is really important. So people have the empowerment uh, into that. But uh, I agree that only super beta, only one framework will not help. And actually many, I see many reactions to super beta when I mention it to people who know it, they either say it's great or the others say that's nonsense. But the thing is that they are looking at the result and they are either accept or don't like the framework, but they are not looking at the process. And I think this is what gamification is about, that it is the process from of, of learning from games. And this is what I don't think will come obsolete. So I'm arguing now. <laughs> so I think <clears throat> still even, okay, so we've had a little bit of dis um, um, disagreement, but I think overall we kind of all agree with the concept of health gamification for the purpose, the greater good to create societies that are more helpful. The argument is maybe we should abolish it if we ever solve health, but the reality is that's probably never going to happen. So we need some level of health gamification. I was at a workshop yesterday and we were presented with a challenge of diabetes. And one thing is around physical activity, diabetes, it works, it makes a difference. So we were giving a few different scenarios of some example patients, people living with these conditions. And one of the scenarios was an individual who um, kind of had, had diabetes for 10, 20 years, had all these uh, complex needs, was still in work. But one of the things he did was he he enjoyed going betting. He, he went to bet on the horses. So Cameron took me in to give an idea and I said, well, just giving free bets if he, if, he goes for, if he goes for a walk. And I had people audibly gasp and look at me because the view was that we should be encouraging betting. So... If we're trying to create incredibly addictive, healthy games, is there no rules? Is it that actually you, we can get people to give them free tokens to go betting, whether that's on soccer or football or bingo? Because ultimately, if our end goal is health, the other potential negative consequences of that process are irrelevant. I'd love to know what your thoughts are on that. And again, what I'm trying to bring back to is that do we need guidelines? Do we need a framework for health gamification or is it just go for it and be as addictive as you humanly can? Uh, Oliver, I'll bring you in for that one, first of all. Oh, God. To create health behaviors. <laughs> I think betting is just a borderline, in, in my opinion. I mean, if you would, uh, maybe he, he, he enjoys violence against kids. <laughs> and then we would say, okay, letting him beat kids is probably not a good thing. So where do we draw? Where do we draw the line? I think you need to draw the line when 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 others are hurt, or yourself are getting hurt. So if if this person, for example, is addicted to betting, and we would give them sort of additional candy to um, to to feed that unhealthy behavior, it's probably not the right way, uh, because. Um, we always 
as, as Melis said, it's, it's about empowerment. And this way we would just use a weakness uh, and we would exploit that weakness. We, we wouldn't make that person stronger, but we would exploit the weakness. It's like in a, if you if you offer an heroin addict heroin, he will probably do a lot of things he would otherwise never do to to get that. So not not the right not the right way. I think you always need to to check: Are we supporting people? Are we empowering them? Because making people move and 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 go to the gym these these are all healthy things making them bet is um is problematic um but actually i mean all the all the things we are we are doing can somehow be quantified and what gamification does is just visualize them more strongly for example in sales you always had this like gamification things like who who sold the most in the last uh, in the last quarter or whatever and when you have a, these leaderboards and everything and and here we exchange money for a lifetime i think that is already some some kind of gamification but it's already not not quite healthy in my opinion because many people are sort of only seeing the money and not seeing that their job in itself should create some should be like create some 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 use or make make any make, make some kind of sense so so this to me so, seems already slightly unhealthy so i think if in comparison to giving people money to make them do things we give we give them fun to do certain healthy things it's okay so I think here I would draw the line because there is already an established system of making people do things they don't really like to do, which is giving the money for that. And um, I think whatever you can pay a person to do for in a legal system, uh, you could also sort of gamify that. Yeah. Victoria, do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think kindness is the line. So, and it should go on different dimensions. So uh, if you give him the possibility to go and betting on some dimension, you are not kind to him because this will might damage him. But you can use his betting, um, his betting uh, passion in some different ways. Maybe create something, a system, a game or whatever, where he can bet, but on health. And I have an example here, and I, uh, is it okay to name uh, um, a system or a game that I know? Mm, I've heard yeah, of it. Of course, we do. Uh, it's I think it's called Healthy Wager, and this is what people actually do. They bet um, on their for themselves or on their health. So what? Uh, as it's especially for those for those people who want to gain uh, to lose weight, or to reach the weight that they want to to be healthy, and um, so they pay. Uh, monthly um, the the membership for a gym so this is what they pay there and this is and then they say they make a bet a wager on themselves saying in half a year I will lose so much weight and this is a community of people people so what they do they do uh, like challenges together they organize they also wear Fitbit and so on so they do all those things use different apps they engage each other uh, and a friend of mine has done it and she lost uh, and she was really excited. She was blogging about it, but she was also nervous whether she will lose the weight that she and she had to document it and uh, with the weight and so on. And she actually managed to to lose as much weight. And then she got actually over the hundred, I think a little bit more than she invested. So she won. If you did, if you didn't lose the weight that you waged on, then you lost it. So it is betting. But it is betting on your health and it's motivating you. It's bringing socializing. And they also say that they, they use consciously gamification here and they use also the gambling, but in a different way. So this is what I say that to take the passion of that person. And if it's not kind in the way he uses or she uses it now, but change it in such a way that it becomes kind. I love this, by the way. What a great example. I will definitely look into that. And um, maybe coming back to your question then very quickly. Um, I mentioned this all the way in the beginning. Like uh, we were measuring our stickiness all the time and we stopped doing that. We were just like, what is this stickiness helping to like 
what is this changing? What's the impact? And I think as game designers, like we have to always have that in mind, like as a filter, you know, like what's being achieved here. And that's like one of the major things that we need to be doing. Like there, there needs to be a line, definitely. And um, coming back to your point on like, um, um, I mean, obviously, like in order for something to become a habit, like you need to have some sort of motivation. It needs to be doable and there needs to be a tr trigger. Like it's like the standard now. And uh, what you're talking about is motivation on, um, uh, you're talking about motivation here uh, and like, you know, making that motivation higher by using something that this person is really addicted to. And coming back to our example, what we do daily is like when we're planning some motivation boosters, we always try to do it as internal gifts or internal like motivational boosters and never as external motivation boosters. And that's what we always keep in mind because that's that always almost always affects the sustainability of um of the impact of the stickiness as well because like if, the, uh, if after some time you stop giving that external reward people stop coming back to the game and that's something that you definitely don't want to do uh both in both ways so i in i, I completely i completely agree and taking it back to the example i gave so the scenario was that this person wasn't necessarily addicted to get to gambling to betting he just did he just he did he bet now and again there was no indication that he, did, he was addicted but there is the risk, admittedly, that someone could become addicted. But generally, about 1% of the population gets to a point of gambling addiction. Is the line there? Can we accept a utilitarian approach that we go, well, the majority of people may see this as a, as a motivational element. There is some risk that some could become addictive, but we're happy with that's where we're drawing the line, because ultimately, the kindness we want to offer people is better health and well-being. Or is it that we have to rule out the idea of, of gambling at all? Because I have I gamble on two things ever. One is the Grand National that happens once a year. Two is the World Cup, which happens every four years. And that's it. But if I was giving that as a reward, I'd, I'd use it for that. Um, but I'd probably find it motivation because I know that could become at least a, a fun bet. Or who knows, £100 if I got the right horse. So should we remove anything we perceive that could be dangerous or addictive when actually the majority of people are unlikely to have that addiction. May, may I say, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, oh, you go first. Yeah, I'm, I was once uh, got a, a psychological uh, review, which uh, where I was called an, a person with a high affinity towards addiction. And, and you, can, you can measure that. And I'm quite sure that, that this is a, for me, this is a correct statement. Uh, so I, I was always sort of interested. And But you can become addicted to so many things. There are people who are addicted to sex, people who are addict, addicted to sports, people who are addicted shopping. to betting, shopping, um, games, computer games. Uh, we, we know all that. So I think that somehow this seems to be like a maybe even a genetic um disposition which you are more more or less born with and sort of you you, you search for your kind of addiction the, the things which press the buttons and i think that uh, gamifying things and and, and games are uh, a comparatively harmless addiction so if you have a personality which is prone to becoming addicted games especially games for health would definitely be the kind of addiction uh, I'd prefer to gambling or for money or drugs or something. So so maybe it, it also has a social element to it. Taking this proneness towards addiction and, and helping the people to sort of integrate it into their lifestyle in a more healthy way. So in that case, are we creating, if we had to find some sort of framework or guidelines for the ethics and morality of health gamification, is if we follow Google to begin with, that we start at do no harm. But ultimately, are there, are there smarter ways we can do this? Should you be understanding people's addiction levels when they start taking part in a health gamification um, service? Should we be looking at potentially some of the risks they exhibit to things like if we give them certain rewards, they could be addicted to that? Is that the responsibility of health gamification companies, or are we creating unnecessary red tape and bureaucratic processes? Um, I, I think that 
I, I think you you touched a very important point here. It's it's about awareness, uh, and I think it's and about the choice. And you said something that some people or most people are not not addicted, and uh, so. We do have a responsibility, but uh, I think we do also have responsibility on bringing awareness. And I like this serious games about bringing awareness. And uh, today was uh, talk about uh, uh, about the the um, teaching psycho psychological, you know, uh, skills and about uh, 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 about yourself and so on. Uh, for for those who suffer with depression and so on and anxiety, and I think this is what important that that gamification or game designers continue creating those those things uh, awareness maybe uh, you know making aware of the of the addiction and uh, giving the choice you know different choices and then the person could choose uh, of course what they want to do but it's a very very tricky question, so I really like that you raised it because uh, if we try to manipulate with gamification a person to do uh, a decision uh, not to make mistake or to be, you know, what we think kind to themselves, you know, don't bet, don't buy a lotto. But actually, uh, buying a lotto in Germany, for example, uh, th that's one of the, um, you know. Uh, sometimes it's gifts. Uh, you give give us a gift, for example, for the lottery and so on. Uh, and there are also lotteries for uh, uh, helping. It's like the, the um, people with special needs and so on. And it's uh, the, there is Action Child, I think, Action Child or something in Germany, where they do this. So it's a lottery, but you help also people. So there are programs. So it's a kind of, kind of gambling, you could say. Um, but uh, there are different programs, so it's we need to leave. Yeah, it's we need to leave the freedom to people to make their choice. Um, but uh, I don't know if I would actually go so far as you know asking. Yeah, if they if they like baiting, maybe just offering a possibility of a gift uh, of a reward, and they would then choose what to do with it. I don't know, but it's it's really. It's a fine line, and, and defining kindness, it's also maybe relative for each, each person. I'll come to you in a moment, minutes, but it's just ultimately through health gamification, we are employing tactics of manipulation of a behavior. And so no matter, no matter what it is, our end goal is to create that behavior. Um, and so it's, we are going to manipulate people. That's kind of what we're doing in the process is do we need an ethical framework to make sure we're guiding that process? So the, the line is kindness, but just saying kindness is not enough because that can, that can be interpreted however you want. Milis, do you want to come in yeah. just at some, some points there and I'll hand it over to all three of you to come in for the last 30 yes. seconds. It, it, you literally drawn me in thoughts. Like I've been like thinking like, you know, because um, it's it's a very philosophical question and it like it just brought me back to how much responsibility we have like there needs to be so much thinking going into this you know like even the thing like because like um when you think of it like yes we never put any betting like gifts on our platform because we're not catching to a german population victoria that's why <laughs> so, so like we don't do that but like we do other things and like other things can be very addictive like People are addicted to shopping, as I just like gave an example to. And yeah, like should we be double thinking about like if we're putting like um I don't know um some like famous shoe brands like shoe discounts on our app? Yes, yes. Like that brought me to that. And thank you so much for that realization. You just made me aware of something that I wasn't aware of. Um, and there's not it. It simply should be very clear about like we should be thinking there should be so much thinking going into that. Coming back to that point, I'm so sorry. Like there, I have nothing else to say, just notes to take for further looking <laughs> into my product. To be honest with you, that's no problem at all. In that case, in the last minute and a half that we have, I just want to go around to you, which are thirty seconds. And I want you to summarize if there were some guidelines or a framework for the ethics and morality of health gamification, what are some of the things we should be thinking about considering? Uh, Victoria, I'm going to come to you first. Uh, yes, uh, I think that we need to engage people uh, into designing things for themselves and using what we create 
what we create in their uh, frameworks, in their own private personal frameworks, and actually urge them to adjust the design. So to do as, as they wish to. So really this game literacy is so important, I think, because games actually came from real life and did in something magical with real life, you know, uh, into some systems that are just engaging, exciting, and so on. So now it is time that we uh, learn from them and go get core, insp uh, like round insp uh, circle of inspiration. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oliver, over to you. Yeah. Um, you remember the time when you just could buy cigarettes and nobody was telling you that you're going to die if you smoke them? Um, I was literally in, thinking about the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> all yeah. my line. No, I just, uh, I, I just thought that we, we creating that awareness. If, if you smoke cigarettes, you're damaging your health. So you could also do something like if you're using that app, you're partially um, exchanging your, your internal guidelines and replacing them at least for a time by external ones. Uh, this may damage the way you sleep. This may influ uh, influence your internal motivation to go to the gym. Uh, if Because you're only then now going to the gym if you get your points and badges. So I think if you, if you sort of um, give that, if you provide that meta level, um, you empower people to make the decision for themselves if they want to use gamification, or at least they sort of they know um, what we're doing and, and maybe even a little bit about the, the mechanisms we are using. And I think in comparison to smoking, uh, gamification doesn't do that much harm. So if we sort of do give provide this kind of disclaimer, in my opinion, it would be okay. It's like the informed consent we're doing at studies. Um, we're saying, okay, this could be the worst thing which could happen to you in that study. And uh, are, are you still okay? And when they give informed consent and when, when we're doing it. And I think something similar could or should be done with gamification. Neil's last final thoughts on this. Yeah, so I was thinking like it's almost like in any relationship. So it's like 50-50, right? Like you both sides have like an equal say in this relationship. And coming back to what Victoria and Oliver both said, you know, like give people um of course I keep back thinking about my own platform, but like give people transparency into what you've built, with which theories theories you've built them and just give like tr transparently, openly about like what game you're going into. And I love the term game literacy. Yes, like to give people that and hopefully people will get into it and like do their 50%. And on the other 50% is your bit, obviously. Like be very responsible about what you are putting in there um, as, um, as motivational bits that we just discussed. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you very much, Victoria, Milis, Oliver. It's been great to have you on the panel. And we've gone almost full circle from starting all championing each other, saying gamify everything and let's make sure everyone do as often as we can. To come think, Maybe we should have some guiding principles after all. Uh, so maybe great job, man. Seriously. Um, but thank you all very much for your time today. And it's been a great session. Perfect. Thanks, Thank you man. so much. Excellent. It was excellent. Mellis, <laughs> that was brilliant, everyone. Uh, what a fascinating discussion. I, I, I think the uh, the transparency of games we've talked about quite a lot in gamification, actually, in corporate terms over over time. Like uh, because we're always talking about people volunteering to play them; otherwise, they're not fun. So I think you're, you're on the right track, but I. This mix, all you've got here, you've got putting a warning label on, some transparency, and also teaching them game literacy. These are like your outcomes, aren't they? I think, yeah. Yes. Fascinating. Great summary. Thank you so much, Ben, for leading this panel session. Thank you, everyone, for taking part. Thank um, you. I'm wondering if there's any questions from the audience. I don't mind running over for another couple there of minutes. There is one. There is one, I see, from Is it this Anto one? Yes. Go on. It's very nice. Like this one. <laughs> And I think that was completely related to Oliver's point about having a disclaimer. But then I'd argue, are we just absolving ourselves of responsibility of game designers just by putting a disclaimer on? Everything. <laughs> yeah.
So this, the, yeah, that's uh, probably another panel discussion. Like, how, <laughs> if we put <laughs> the disclaimer on every single product, then or not? So, yeah. I've Don't put your cat in problem. the microwave. <laughs> 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 yes. Yeah, there is this common sense things that that is very relative, and uh, yeah, it's uh, again, what is common sense? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Angela. I, mean, I guess my only point. Yeah, great question. My only final point on that one is like part of a game sometimes is being immersed in it. So if you've got all these warnings and things flagging up, does that impact quality of the game and then ruin how it's working? Yes. Okay. Well, um, thank you again, panel. I can see from the the chat that people really enjoyed that. And I thought it was a really fitting way to end a whole day of talks on gamification and health.